Welcome to Gone Fishing, a show diving into the cybersecurity threats that surround our highly connected lives. Human vulnerability is almost completely ignored in the security awareness space. But why is that? Every human is different. Every person has unique vulnerabilities that expose them to potentially successful social engineering. It's time to change the focus and bring it back to the human factor. On this show, we'll discuss human vulnerability and how it relates to unique individuals. Assessing the constantly evolving human risk is how we make our company safer and more secure. I'm Connor Swalm, CEO of FinSecurity, and welcome to Gone Fishing. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. It is Connor, CEO at Finn, with another episode of the Gone Fishing Podcast. Seems like every day there is new reports of breaches or passwords getting stolen or big companies coming out and saying there was a data breach all the time. Sounds like that's happening all the time. Now, a lot of folks in the security space, me included, were somewhat aware of the risks and the dangers at hand and how big of a problem security, cybersecurity actually is specifically for American businesses. Uh, But it seems like the average individual who's not really interested in cybersecurity, or if we want to call them like cybersecurity tangential or tertiary, so to speak, doesn't understand the gravity of the situation that we're in, in terms of how likely it is for companies to get breached, how damaging that could potentially be, not only for themselves as individuals, but also for their for their business that they work at or maybe that they own. There's also this concept of once I close the corporate laptop and shut off the company phone, I am not going to get attacked. I'm not going to get breached. My identity is safe or my bank accounts are safe or something bad isn't going to happen. So there's this weird separation between personal life and professional life where hackers do not care. And obviously businesses represent a larger financial gain if they're able to attack them properly than an individual in most cases. But people are still the, you know, not necessarily the direct target, but stealing passwords and social security information and banking information and financial, other financial information, such as credit cards for millions, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people, however many at a time, that's still a really, really valuable set of information for a lot of malicious actors that would like to get access to that. So what needs to happen in order to I don't want to say convince, but to relay the gravity of the situation and what we all need to do together to an individual, relay that information to an individual person so that they understand it and they're bought in and we can all be a little more secure together. What do I think needs to happen? First and foremost, we need to start changing employees' behavior. So, or, or changing anyone's behavior, not just, not just employees' behavior. Changing human behavior is quite possibly the most impossible task anyone will ever set out to do. So I'll caveat this entire episode with that statement. But it is what needs to happen in order for greater security to be put into place. Most of the risk, and I'll quote a statistic here, 88% of breaches involve the human element, according to Verizon's data breach investigation report. I quote that all the time. Um, I have some disagreements with the way that stat is created, but I'll use it here because it makes my point conveniently. If 88% of breaches are a result of the human element, then it makes sense that 
of our efforts should go to reduce, you know, something commensurate to 88% of our efforts should go to reducing that amount. And essentially what that means, 88%, most of that is human behavior, if not all of it, whether it's leaving your laptop unlocked and somebody doing something, whether that's plugging in a malicious USB drive you found in a parking lot, whether that's writing bad code that has a flaw in it somewhere, whether that's improperly setting up a firewall, clicking a phishing email, uh, listening to a voicemail from the IRS saying they called you and you owe them money, whatever it is, all of this, all of this risk is a result of a human doing something that they knowingly or unknowingly knew they shouldn't have, uh, knowingly or unknowingly did, so to speak. So all of this, all of reducing that 88% is just in the act of changing human behaviors either taking good behaviors and making them better or taking bad behaviors and removing them. So the first thing, convincing people that their behavior needs to change in the first place is almost impossible. Nobody likes to be told that they're behaving incorrectly or that they're doing things wrong. And as a result, they need to change the way that they do things. Nobody likes to hear that on a regular basis. So getting people to buy into the fact that, hey, we're doing things incorrectly and we need to do them uh, differently it's just hard, uh, especially uh, when this is a pretty, you know, talking to average employees in, in this way or average level of technical ability employees and telling them that they need to behave differently. And then using what most people do is they use incredibly complex technical terms and complex technical analogies. So you need to do all of these things uh, just because it's usually where it ends is you need to do these because I'm telling you. Nobody's going to want to change their behavior because so-and-so told them. Maybe they will if their boss does, uh, but they'll do it begrudgingly, not necessarily because they want to. So that's the first thing. Convincing people that any of their behavior needs to change is hard. The second part is once you've convinced them that they need to change their behavior, now you need to convince them that the behavior you're recommending is actually better. So they're going to start analyzing what you're asking them to do and what they did before and start having questions. Why do I need to do these in the first place? Last episode, I gave an example about two-factor authentication. Why do I need to enable this at all? I've never had any of my accounts stolen. That was Susie in another department, or that was Joe, you know, seven cubicles over. It wasn't me. I'm not the problem here. Why do I need to change? They'll start asking themselves questions like that. And it's just indicative of of a mentality that security practitioners, we haven't done a great job as an industry trying to, I guess, unenforce out of the, these folks is that we're all on the same side together. We're all defenders trying to make sure the attacker's never right. So we're trying to be right all the time. But we have, you know, potential risk in all of these behaviors that people exhibit, and we're trying to get rid of them one by one. So convincing them that the behavior you're recommending is better also requires a little bit of skill. Also, is going to require an incredible amount of empathy to not only get them to change, commit to changing, and then commit to changing to what you want. All of that requires an incredible amount of communication skills that are lacking in almost everyone, not just the security space in general. And then the third piece is you have to actually convince them, hey, you're going to be slightly inconvenienced, but this is going to be good for you. I promise. Like This is going to be good for everybody. So there's this notion of let's someone feels hamstrung by all of these policies or these things you're having them do, such as enabling 2FA or such as uh, needing a second form of uh, a second person to authenticate wire transfers or something like that. 
or whether that's rotate passwords every 60 days and have to come up with them, or whether that's use a password manager and have to re-log in or keep their key card on them at all times in order to get into the building. And if they lose it, they have to go through a nine-stage process to re-verify they are who they say they are. All of these are slight inconveniences that end up creating better security for everyone involved at the organization. And so now you have to convince them that that inconvenience is also good for everybody. So it requires instilling in people that this sense of we're all on the same side, we need to be doing everything for each other. We need to instill that belief in a lot of people. And that's also incredibly difficult. So all of this, so to speak, requires all of that empathy that I had mentioned. And that's why it's so difficult is people like doing the things that they've done. They like doing the most convenient thing they could possibly do at their job. They like showing up, doing great work and being safe while doing it. And that's it. And anything, any slight inconvenience added on top of that, that doesn't have a perceived good or, or they don't believe is best for themselves, it's just not going to come across the line as well as you think it would. That's one of the things that it would take for people to really buy into cybersecurity is we need to start changing the way we talk to them. Is It is really not your security folk putting in all these blockers that an average employee has to follow. It is everyone is a defender on the same side doing everything they can as a group to make sure that we're all secure. So you really need to properly communicate to non-technical folks that, hey, you're on our side too. We're not against you. We are completely with you. We're supporting you and we need you to support us as well. It goes both ways. Uh, and, the, and the quickest way to do that is to actually go where these people are and communicate with them how they'd like. Right. So if we continue, if I were to continue using technical terms with people who are not very technical or I don't explain what acronyms are or I don't provide analogies or even if I'm a bad storyteller, right? People remember stories. They buy into stories. Uh, and they buy into people who tell them very well. If I am not great at communicating in those ways, everything that I say just isn't going to land in the way that I would like it to. So not only do I need to go find these non-technical people, go to their place of business or talk with them in some way, but then I need to have a certain amount of storytelling and empathy. And I need to be able to drive home that all of these things are really important, that the collective behavior that all of us exhibit creates a certain amount of risk that our business has retained. And as a result, we need to change to, re- to reduce that as much as possible. Something that I see, uh, so I work with a lot of MSPs, something that I see that they could do to help speed this process up is something that happened to me when I was a property manager uh, here in, in, in Delaware, is you need to properly train people from the very beginning. Uh, it is very hard to change someone's behavior after they are used to behaving a certain way. It is much easier to tell people that they should change, uh, to get people to behave how you'd like more securely if they don't have previous behavior that they've exhibited. So if you bring on a new client and you tell them your stakeholders are going to be bought in, your management's going to be bought in, you're going to do all these things, you're going to communicate in these ways to your end users, to your employees that work your business that we're helping you secure, if you actually communicate to them from the very beginning that that's what you expect, then you're going to uh, be in a much better place. It's going to be much easier for you. So what do I expect the future of the security landscape to look like? Uh, you know, I could sit here and talk about chat GPT and AI this and AI that. I'm actually going to go a different direction. I really think that in the future, the best security practitioners and the best people 
who are able to create the most amount of security and remove the most amount of risk in organizations are going to be the best communicators, the most empathetic, and the best storytellers. So what I'm getting at, what I see as a future of the security landscape is that the paragons of our industry or the people who are most beloved and the people who are actually, let's say, creating the most amount of change in a good way, actually generating better behaviors, it's not going to be the most certified. It's not going to be the most licensed. It's not going to be the 40 40 year veteran of the industry. It is going to be the people who have the most empathy, who are able to connect with the largest group of people because they are better storytellers, because they are charismatic, and because they are more empathetic. And everyone's going to want to buy into that story. So I'm going to see, I I think what we're going to see as a future of the industry is we're going to get more non technical folks as members of the cybersecurity industry who are still going to be very well supported by the actual technical folks. We're not only building the tools, but are responsible for implementing them properly. But I think what we're going to see is a lot more of like an evangelism style role end up playing out in a lot of companies and a lot of tools and a lot of vendors and a lot of MSPs because you can have very technical people and then you can have very empathetic people, but, uh, it, you know, and very charismatic and good storytellers. But the intersection between those two, having both of those skill sets is incredibly rare. So what I think the security industry is going to need to create the most amount of good moving forward is actually having more charismatic, empathetic, and great storytellers that are able to communicate to people that are just like them, non-technical folk who just want to be doing good work and be safe while doing it. They're going to be able to communicate to them properly, go where they are, communicate in the way that they would like, and drive home the point that gets everybody on the same side together. That's what I think we'll end up seeing in, in the future. So uh, once again, everybody, thank you for joining me. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, or feedback on uh, this, uh, what I what I predicted today, I guess, uh, find a way to uh, send me that information, find a way to send me that feedback. But uh, it was a pleasure chatting with y'all, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about creating high-quality security awareness training campaigns, that engage employees and change their habits, then check out FinSecurity at phinsec.io or click the link in our show notes. Thanks for fishing with me. See you next time.